Welcome to the Impact Gap Podcast, where we'll be discussing people's experiences with healthcare. Today, our special guest and I will be discussing COVID-19. To get started, would you be able to tell us about yourself? Um, yes, my name is Nehruz and I'm 34 years old and unfortunately recently I got COVID and I went a lot difficulty with it. So I'm ready to share everything that I experienced during this time. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and uh, we're very excited to have you here today. Would you be able to start at the beginning and tell us about your experience with COVID-19? Sure. Uh, actually, uh, to start with, I should say that I got uh, COVID one more than a month ago, actually. And I still I have some of the symptoms, which it's uh, weird. I'm really sorry to hear that you are still experiencing some of the symptoms. Would you be able to start at the beginning and tell us about how um, you discovered that you had symptoms or if you were asymptomatic and uh, sort of tell us uh, the story of how it unfolded? Oh, sure. First, uh, I need to say that I live in a shared place with two other people. And I heard from uh, my housemate that he got COVID tested positive and and at the same time, actually, uh, I started feeling that uh, some of the symptoms of the COVID, like tiredness and fever. But at the, the first day, the fever was not severe, but uh, I, I was very, very tired and I didn't have any energy to do anything. And uh, after a day, uh, it turns uh, my fever start and it continued for maybe seven or eight days and it was very high fever 39 uh, degrees celsius so i um i at first day actually i didn't know uh, that it's a covid although i have heard from my house but i i was not sure about it i would think i would think maybe it's a simple cold but after one or two days i was getting uh i mean i was i had, I had a feeling that it it's covid because I haven't had experience uh, having that high fever in during my whole life. So uh, some, day, some days passed and I was just waiting at home and doing nothing actually. Uh, so after that, I was very, very, um, I mean, I, I, I had lost all of my energy and I couldn't even barely walk. And since I'm alone here at the house and I couldn't uh, ask my, any friend to take me to a hospital, I decided to, and my fever didn't go away, I decided to call my wife to come and take me to a hospital because I was in a bad situation. And I went to hospital and uh, uh, unfortunately, they just asked me to take Tylenol and Advil and go home which was weird for me because I was thinking that they might do something, not just uh, asking to take Tylenol and Advil. But that's what they advised me and I did. And I came back and uh, taking, I was taking Tylenol and Advil, but the fever was not going away. 
So that process happened four times. I mean, I called my wife four times and they, the ambulance came and took me to a hospital in maybe in seven days or 10 days. And I was really, really tired and had pain in my bones. And I had very high fever. Even uh, I was taking Tylenol and Advil every three hours. But uh, I still had fever. And so after four times uh, going to hospital, finally they decided to uh, admit me to stay in hospital. And they did x-ray and they said, you have a pneumonia. After four times, I wish they had uh, took the x-ray the first time that I went to hospital before I get pneumonia or the virus, virus express, uh, spread in my body or infect my lungs. But that's how the system is, and I was not happy with it. So thank you again for touching upon all of those important issues. Um, I think I'd like to unpack some of them in more detail, if that's okay. Um, first of all, um, one question that I did have is, would you be able to walk us through in detail your experience receiving the COVID test? Uh, yes, actually, the first day that uh, I went to hospital, they took the test. And after two or three days, uh, I got the result that uh, I'm positive. How do you feel about the amount of time that it took from going to get the test and then receiving the results? Um, it was two or three days, actually. It wasn't that bad. It's normal. But uh, the process that I went through, I mean, going to hospital four times with ambulance, and they just asked me to come back, go home. And they asked me to take Uber. So it's not a good advice for someone who has COVID uh, to take Uber and come back home because uh, there is a high chance that that Uber driver will get the COVID and will spread it through all the people in the city. But that's what I did and I didn't have any other choice. So I went to hospital. Uh, I was, it was around 11 p.m. So I was in very bad condition and I was about to vomit and my eyes went blank and I fell down and I called 911 again. And they came and they said, they told me the guys in the, uh, uh, that they came, they told me that uh, it's better for you to stay at home because if we take you to hospital, uh, most probably they will tell you again that you need to come back home and they will not do anything. And they told uh, them, I cannot stay at home without any medication, without any care. And this is the fourth time, please take me to hospital. Maybe this time they will do something. So finally, uh, they took me to hospital and they, uh, and I, that's another issue. I, I had to wait in the emergency for eight hours. So and they didn't give me any Tylenol. Uh, so from 11 p.m., uh, I had to sit on a wheelchair uh, till around 8 a.m. So around eight hours, I was just sitting on a wheelchair, waiting for a physicians to come and visit me. So after that long time, and uh, I mean, I called ambulance because I was in a good situation. I didn't expect to wait that much time. So uh, a physician finally came 
visit me and um, I told him about all the problem that I had, all the symptoms, um, diarrhea, nausea, stomach wrenching, high fever, and all of those stuff. And they did uh, take x-ray from my chest and they told me that I have pneumonia and they started giving me IV finally. That was a good, that was a turning point. Because as soon as they gave me IV and they gave me some medication, I was feeling a little bit better and I could be able to eat and I was feeling good. So I still had to wait on, sit on that chair for a few more hours till they gave me an inclined bed. And I wait on the inclined table till night, actually. And at night, they gave me a bed. So finally, the morning they told me that uh, I asked them that because I was still in emergency and it was very crowded. There were a lot of noise. I mean, uh, it wasn't a place for the patient to sleep. And I asked them if, if it's possible that you transmit to another place uh, that, would, that might be a good idea. Or if you think uh, I can do anything for that because I feel I'm not in a good condition. And if... I mean, I can do anything that you do something for me. Just staying in this uh, situation doesn't help. So uh, they said, oh, we are thinking about that. It's not just you. There are some other patients and we don't have beds. So we are thinking about it. And after a few hours, they told me that if I'm okay to, uh, uh, to be transferred to uh, hospital. And I said, yes, sure. If they have a place for me, why not? Let's go for it. And uh, the situation was better. Uh, they gave me a room for myself. And uh, I mean, it was like a dream for me. <laughs> and I was very happy there. And the nurses, the physicians, they were nice. And I mean, it was something like <laughs> a turning point again for me. And because they were they were not it was because the hospital was not crowded so i was hospitalized for i think around 8 days 9 days and during uh, this time uh, they uh, gave me oxygen because my oxygen level was low it seemed so uh, and after 8 days 9 days they discharged me and i came back home yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, you mentioned a number of very important turning points for your treatment. For example, one of them was the x-ray that uh, should have really have been received at the beginning. Uh, why do you feel um, you were not given the x-ray at the beginning? I think uh, the main the reason is that uh, the hospital was crowded and they didn't have time or they just didn't, I, I don't want to say they, they, they didn't care, but I can say because it was very crowded and they didn't have time to think about what the patients need. Uh, and they just tell me and other patients, just go home, they take rest. And I mean, I told them that I cannot eat and I'm alone. And if I don't eat and, and have all of these symptoms, I might not be able to survive. Why you ask me to go home? I, I'm able, if, uh, if it's because of money, I can pay. I mean, we are already giving and paying tax to government. And so we expect to receive 
proper care in this situation. And even even now, I told, I mean, I can't, I'm able to pay extra money if it's because of money. But just do something for me. You bring up a very good point that talking with patients and really understanding their needs can really make a difference. You mentioned not feeling satisfied or happy with the system. Would you be able to describe in a little more detail what those frustrations were and how they can be fixed? Sure. I was not happy with the system. First, in, uh, it's related to the government and because when there are so much patients, the government needs to do something because, I mean, we are already paying tax and we expect to receive good care in this situation. And if they uh, see that in one area in the city, there are a lot of uh, patients, they should think about it, create an, uh, another emergency hospital or transfer hosp- patients to other places, to other hospitals, or do whatever that is required. But unfortunately, the government, um, they are not doing a very good job. That's one thing. The second problem is that I know that physicians and nurses are are they're under pressure because of COVID. And I know they, their job is very difficult and I really appreciate all they do for all people. But uh, I still have some complaint to say that, for example, uh, they could easily give me a Tylenol when I was in emergency and giving a Tylenol to a COVID person doesn't require it. Uh, any prescription from a physician, they didn't, they didn't need to wait for a doctor to come after eight hours because I didn't take my Tylenol with me in the hospital and I was not able to go out or to any other pharmacies to get the Tylenol or Advil. And they have Tylenol. So they could have just given it to me to bring my fever down or to bring my shivering down. But they didn't do that. I know that they are under very pressure, a lot of pressure because of the COVID, because of the, the a lot of volume of the work that they need to do. I mean, when they compare, when I compare their job with my job, uh, sitting at home, I know that their job is more difficult. I admit that, but still, uh, it's not a good uh, advice to, I mean, it's not a good thing to just not give a Tylenol to a patient, to a COVID patient with high fever. I was suffering a lot that night, especially the fourth time, uh, the fourth time that I went to a hospital with 911 was my uh, most difficult night in my, during my whole life. And I don't think I will ever forget it. Absolutely. Um, that story that you told us, it sounds like a very harrowing tale and definitely a very dark moment. Um, You mentioned as well that you are still experiencing some symptoms. Would you be able to tell us about your recovery and how you are feeling now? Sure. Uh, Actually, after they uh, discharged me from from the hospital, I came home and I had this, I I had the tiredness um, because they told me it takes time to, to recover. But I was getting a little, I mean, better day by day. But after five or six days, I noticed that I had still, I, I started having fever. So uh, that happened for um, around two or three days, but it went away. 
and then came back and went away. So uh, it's happening right now. Even, uh, for example, today and yesterday, I didn't have any fever, but the day before that, I had some fever. And I talked with my family doctor, and he asked me to take some uh, tests uh, to see what the reason, blood tests and urine, te- urine tests. And uh, after the, uh, he got the result, uh, I had another appointment with him and he said, uh, everything is normal and I don't know what's the reason for the fever and I will refer you to a specialist. So I'm, I'm still waiting for uh, the appointment to get um, the appointment <laughs> from the specialist. But I mean, again, it doesn't make sense for someone who has fever to wait for a week to get an appointment from a specialist. I mean, uh, I'm coming from third world country. Back home, if I want to have an appointment, I just need to pick up a phone and call a specialist and I can get the appointment in a few hours. But here it might, it might take a few months to get an appointment. But still, I appreciate all the hard work of all the physicians and nurses, but definitely there are a lot of room to work on uh, on this healthcare in Canada. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciated how you brought in the perspective of a different country as well. Thinking back now about the entire experience, um, what would you say is perhaps a key message that you would like to share to our listeners? To, to the listener, the key message is that um, COVID is a life-threatening disease. And because for some people that they haven't got COVID or they have not in close contact with people, with patients, COVID patients, they might not think uh, that it's a very serious disease or they might think that even if I get it, it's just a matter of a few days and it will go away. For some people, it, it is, but unfortunately for, for others, it's not. And as we all heard a few days ago, it was, I think, on Thursday, only in Ontario, 100 person died from COVID in one day. In only one province, 100 person died. So that means it is a life-threatening disease. And I hope government do, I mean, do more about, do more thing about it or at least to distribute the vaccine faster or do something. I mean, imagine that, uh, imagine an earthquake happen in a city in Canada or something and maybe five people die. I know that that will be a very a biggest event yeah, for a few weeks and everybody will talk about it. The government, prime minister, everybody will uh, have different meetings and spend time and media. Everyone, everybody will cover cover it and we'll talk about it. But dying with COVID, it I think we are all getting used to it. I mean, it's it, we shouldn't get used to it. Uh, in dying, uh, I mean, a hundred person just died in one day. It shouldn't be an easy. We shouldn't just thinking it's a normal process, we can do anything. No, we can do something. The government can do something. People can do a lot with following the restrictions. Government can do a lot with giving more information to people, 
uh, accelerating the vaccination or they can do a lot. But unfortunately, they are doing a good job, but they can do much, much better job. Absolutely. You bring up a really great point that there is always more that everyone should be doing. You also mentioned the vaccine, which leads me into my next topic. Would you be able to share your thoughts or opinions about the vaccine? Sure. Uh, I have heard that uh, since I got COVID uh, and my body is immune for maybe two or three months, uh, I, I'm not sure. It depends on different research. Some, you know, some research, they said the body of COVID patient is immune for even five months, not totally immune, but around 80% or 90%. It depends on the different research that I have heard. Yeah, but right now I'm patiently waiting for vaccine. And uh, right now I'm just pointing to the government because those are responsible for buying and distributing. I wish in Canada we had our own vaccine, but unfortunately, Till now, we have not. So at least uh, because we are not the first country in the world that have vaccinated people. And there are other countries in the Middle East that they have already vaccinated a lot of people. So I was wondering why uh, in Canada, why we are not doing as good as they are doing, even though we are next to U.S. And also, uh, I have heard that Pfizer and Moderna, they have already given some vaccine, but unfortunately in Canada, uh, our health, our system is not able to distribute the, um, the vaccine that they have already received. So that's why I'm saying that uh, our system needs a lot to, to improve. I hope everybody uh, get the vaccine as soon as they uh, can because I, some people might think that it's not a very necessary thing or uh, there are some rumors that, I mean, everybody have heard about it, unfortunately. So uh, I hope uh, people don't listen to those rumors and try to get the vaccine as soon as they can. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned that you are, of course, waiting for the vaccine, as are many people in Canada. There are unfortunately people who um, perhaps are feeling that it may not be safe. And so my question for you is, um, in your opinion, why do you want to get the vaccine? And how do you know that it will be safe for you, if you had to say? Uh. For the first question, why I need the vaccine? Because I don't want to get COVID again, because I have already experienced it and it was my most difficult disease in my whole life. And But uh, regarding to being safe or not, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure about it, but I'm, getting, I'm guessing that uh, it might have less side effects than when I get uh, the disease. Uh, because, I mean, the expert, they have already worked on it and in, in the state here in Canada. And I haven't heard any severe side effects or any, any big issue about it. But when somebody gets COVID, it's not just not being able to work for a month or experiencing all of those symptoms it's not just about that maybe who knows maybe in the future i will have some other 
I will have some other problem. For example, today I was reading a paper that were saying that people with COVID, they have more chance of getting Alzheimer. That might be true. I'm not sure about it, but it was just re uh, read the title. So uh, I know that uh, this is mm, a very bad disease. So I expect that some side effect might remain maybe even for a long time. So comparing that with the side effect of the vaccine, I don't think vaccine will have that much side effect. And also, as far as I have read and heard it, the vaccine provide much more immunity comparing to getting the disease, the, the virus. Absolutely. That is a really good point. And that is all the more reason that everyone should be vaccinated. One question that I do have for you is, what would be your message for people who feel that the vaccine is unsafe or those who are able to and are eligible to receive the vaccine but are refusing? What is your message for those people? For the people that are eligible but they refuse, uh, I can say that uh, it's not just about getting the virus and staying at home and it will uh, and recovering after a few days or months. The side effect of the disease might, might remain for you for the rest of your life, especially because this is a new disease and nobody knows everything about it. And the second thing is uh, about... It's not just about me, it's about others. Because if I get the virus, I will, uh, there is a very high chance that I will give it to people, uh, other people, to my friends, my family members, everybody in the city. And I might be the source of spreading the disease. And by doing that, a lot of people will suffer. Some people might die just because of me alone not getting the vaccine so i'm not just i shouldn't just think about myself i should think about all people in the city in the country and on and our planet it's not just about we shouldn't just think about me i don't like it i prefer not to do it we should think about the whole society Absolutely. You bring up such a great point that at the end of the day is not just about one person. We really are all in this together. And so that also ties in with that element of herd immunity, of course, where we need a certain percentage of people to be vaccinated in order to achieve that. Uh, if you had to say, what do you think is one of the most important issues of COVID? What would be the one issue? The the most important issue with COVID is that maybe it's, it, actually it has a lot of issue, but maybe the most important one is that it's spread very easily. And for example, if in one family or in a, one building, one house, if one person get it, there is a very high chance that everybody will get it, which that is not the case with, mm, with, flu or other uh, similar disease. Uh, as far as I have experienced and read, uh, there is a very high chance for spreading of this virus. So that's a really bad thing. And another thing is that uh, unfortunately, it has different symptoms with diff uh, for different people. Some people might just have very 
mild symptom and might, they might think that they don't have the COVID and they might just go around and spread it to all other people. So that's another issue with it, which does not have specific symptoms that everybody knows that they have the virus. Absolutely. That element of how easy it is to spread makes it very dangerous. And in addition to that, we often don't know who is symptomatic, and that makes the puzzle and the problem even more difficult. Uh, one question that I did have for you. Um, so when we think about COVID, many, many things have changed as a result of it. Would you be able to talk in detail about how COVID has changed your life? Uh, yes. Right now I'm in a shared place. Where I'm living with two other people. So that was one of my big mistakes. So <laughs> because if I had changed my place, uh, to a separate one for myself, uh, the, the chance of getting the vaccine, uh, the COVID was much less because I got the, uh, the virus from a housemate. So maybe in the future, I will try to have more distance. Uh, it might not be, it might not be a, uh, an, a beautiful lifestyle comparing to what we had in the past. I mean, in the past, uh, the people were much close to each other, but fortunately or unfortunately, uh, this is something that we should consider to have more distance with people. Uh, even for example, right now, when we go to any grocery stores, we need to have two meter distance, six feet. Uh, so I think this is a good thing, even if we get rid of the COVID, after vaccination or uh, anything. Another thing that comes to my mind is that maybe people or governments should be more ready for any pandemic in the future, because unfortunately, the whole, as far as I know, I mean, most of the country were not ready for this pandemic and they didn't know what to do. And now it's more than a year that has passed and they are now they're getting used to it, but uh, who knows, maybe we'll have another pandemic in the future. And so we should be more, uh, we should be, I mean, in terms of governments, should be more, uh, should be ready for anything that happened. Because, I mean, 100 years ago, cities and people were not connected to each other. Now, because of the, the, the technology that we have, the fly, the car. So if someone someone in one country get the, uh, the disease, there is a chance that it could easily spread to all other cities and countries in the world. So I think government should be more ready for that. Absolutely. Um, I absolutely think that in this current context, I think a lot more groups are thinking about pandemic readiness. That's a definitely a big issue now that was not a big issue many years ago. Infection control, again, not as big of an issue before, now big, big issues. So that is absolutely a really great point. Um, when you think about the future post-COVID, would you be able to tell us about how you envision life will be at the end of the pandemic? Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how it, uh, how it would be. But uh, it depends if we can 
gotten past the pandemic and not to have any COVID. I, I mean, if there is still some um, chance of getting the virus, I think this lifestyle will continue for many, many more years. I mean, this uh, having distance between people and this sort of thing. But if it ends, maybe let's say if it ends next year and that uh, everybody knows that they will not get the virus, maybe they will go back to their old lifestyle and just living together and enjoy being together. In your opinion, what do you think we need to do in order to overcome this pandemic? Everybody should take it very seriously. Uh, that's a very important thing and do whatever that we need to do, like keeping distance and for the government to accelerate the vaccination and give proper and more information about the, the, the disease. We always should face a problem and try to solve it no matter what. So I think that uh, can help if we be realistic and just look at it as a fact, not just something like uh, saying something to make people happy or just calm people down. It's a fact, there is a virus or there is a pandemic or there is anything. We should face it, we should act upon it. I absolutely agree with that last part. I truly do believe that it really needs to be considered a fact. And it is so unfortunate that there are so many people who either don't believe in it or are disputing it or don't think that it's a fact or play down the severity. That is a really, really important point. Um, so as we know, in the city of Toronto, we are currently in a lockdown. Would you be able to comment on your thoughts of how this lockdown is being done? Uh, sure. Um, I think the, the lockdown might bring some res restrictions on some people. But at the end of the day, since it might reduce, I'm not saying it will, because I'm not quite sure how does it work. But since it might reduce the risk of spreading the virus, uh, I think uh, they should have started doing that earlier. And especially for this, uh, for the holiday that we passed, I think the government should have done something because unfortunately after the holiday, we saw, uh, we look at the, when we look at the statistic, we can see that there was some issues there that increased the number of new cases and people that died, unfortunately. So the government should have done something before that, should have done some curfew, put up, should have put some curfew or whatever that they think could help. But unfortunately, they didn't. And uh, some people just wanted to enjoy their holiday. And unfortunately, it increased um, the number of new cases a lot. So that was something that the government could have done. But I know that it's, as I said, as uh, I know that it might bring some restrictions or limitations for some people. But since it might be, it, uh, it, it can help re to reduce uh, or prevent spreading the virus, I think it's a good thing. 
So we're approaching the end now. We have talked a lot about many different topics like the vaccine, about um, the lockdown and your experiences with COVID. For our listeners, um, what is one message that you hope our listeners will take away from this conversation? One message I can just say, take it very seriously, not just for yourself, but for everybody else. We are all living in the same boat. And if anything happened to one person, there is a chance that everybody will get affected. So everybody should take it very seriously. And I hope we can overcome this pandemic in the near future. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of our Impact Gap podcast. Today, we heard from Beirut, who shared his experiences with COVID. You can find more information about us at our website, impactgap.wordpress.com, or follow us on our Twitter and Instagram. If you have a story that you'd like to share and are interested in joining us as a guest, you can contact us at impactgap at gmail.com.